Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. We're having a one of our walks through the Welsh Hills again today. We've been talking for the last few days about the Northern Ireland crisis, which is currently in beginning to erupt. And I think it probably is just the beginning, unfortunately. Um, and I think this podcast is going to be a bit more of a discussion around this topic because we we did find it difficult to come up with um, a definite angle because this is just such a messy, complicated problem. And really, there's, there's, I, I don't think we can say that uh, the violence in Northern Ireland is triggered off by just one thing. Although I think the Northern Ireland Protocol and Brexit is definitely the last straw to any yeah. tensions that there were there already, um, yeah. you know, regarding <laughs> opposing points of view and beliefs about things. But also a lot of people are just really distressed and angry uh, because of COVID. And they're, they're kind of on their last nerve already. Yeah. So the thing we've been talking about uh, a lot really is just uh, lies you know the, the yeah. government lies and yeah. particularly Boris Johnson's lies yeah saying very definitely there'd be no checks between um, uh, Great Britain Northern Ireland um, you know he said it over and over drunk and sober yeah. to all sorts of people recorded for posterity said it on the radio and the TV clips of it on YouTube yeah you know it's uh, uh the thing is right now it's like very very demonstrably a total and complete lie and you know it's always been said that you know Brexit fantasy reality yeah. when they collide the reality is going to win yeah and it is winning of course it's the reality principle that drives home in the end, though it's amazing how long it can be put off and deflected and denied. Yeah. And there's like a huge, still a huge level of denial, and you wonder what it would take for for Johnson to, to plummet in the opinion polls, for instance. Yeah. Now, uh, I, the, the bloke. And if you do need any convincing, and I'd, I'd urge you to uh, look up at a guy called Peter Stefanovich, and he's pretty active on Twitter. He's a trade union bloke, and he, he makes these videos of uh, Johnson addressing Parliament or being interviewed or speaking in some kind of public forum. And then uh, Peter Stavanovich put, put, puts out the clip and then he interrupts it and says, that's a lie. And then he comes up with chapter and verse and why it's a lie. Yeah. And there's, there's loads uh, of things. There's loads of yeah. things like well, that all over YouTube and Twitter yeah. and alternative well, media. Got, yeah, he's got a, a sort of a 10-minute video about half a dozen Johnson lies. Well, people have and, written books about yeah. all Johnson's lies, like yeah. a whole book full of them. And they yeah. said... We couldn't even fit them all in to this thick book. There's been yeah. so many. Well, to Peter, Peter O'Born, right? He was a right-wing, you know, and a self-confessed conservative, uh, small C, perhaps these days. Absolutely damning. 
his natural, what you might call, you know, the party of, of his natural affiliation. And then he writes a book called The Assault on Truth. Peter Auburn, a right-wing arsehole, and even he can't stomach it. Yeah. And I think if there's a philosophical point in the Northern Ireland thing, it is the post-truth um, thing that I keep keep going on about, you know, the assault on truth. Uh, it, it, it's, it's kind of been so profound for, for a number of years, so remorseless, that the concept of truth and the concept of knowledge uh, is barely functional in its kind of ordinary sense. Now, I mean, the philosophers... Agonise for uh, philosophers have agonised for millennia on the, the exact nature of truth, and it's an extremely thorny problem. But nevertheless, I don't think we should let that interfere with our ordinary discourse, with its general decency, reliability, um, and gra groundedness in, in stuff that actually happens, in facts, you might say without getting too worried about the metaphysical problems in asserting that definition. And we certainly, you know, definitely, it's a kind of post-truth era, you know. And Johnson uh, and many of his colleagues, to my mind, do not have a functioning truth-telling apparatus. Can I put it like that? Mm. They, they are actually like not capable of it. And I, 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 it's, it's, perhaps this is a little bit fanciful, but I see Johnson applying the tactics that he, that he must have applied in the dormitories at Eton and in the rough and tumble of a, a boys' boarding school to survive psychologically. The, you know, play the fool, be the entertainer, and get popular that way and survive that way. And, and you know, dissemble and lie and tell different people different things you know it's almost like this infantile strategy that he was forced to adopt you know that has the kind of nature of a trauma that makes the bloke incapable of telling the truth now in the case of Northern Ireland we know that some people are interpreting riots on the streets of Belfast, London, Derry and also some smaller Northern Irish towns as being a reaction to the lie that was told that there would be no border down the Irish Sea and in fact there is you know and there's no kind of proper system for uh, trade between Northern Ireland and Great Britain the, the big island in the British Isles Great Britain and th this is obviously anathema to hardline unionists because their, their, their thing is a very vehement assertion that Northern Ireland is a part of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland and evermore shall be. A fanatical commitment to that political arrangement. So obviously this is a hard one for them to swallow. At the same time, the Good Friday Agreement, that did bring peace to Northern Ireland, the army is no longer uh, policing the streets of Northern Ireland, the British Army. And there's a free and open border between the Republic and the, uh, the, the, the Northern Ireland six counties. 
And that open border is a part of the machinery of the agreement. Because Brexit was always we, we, was always going to produce a contradiction. You can't have it both ways. You can't have the open border uh, and yet at the same time have Northern Ireland outside the EU and a part of the uh, United Kingdom which exited the EU. So, so whichever way you turn, you can't win. Well, I don't know, people like John Major and T Tony Blair, all ex-Prime Ministers, yeah, neither of them I've got much time for, but at least both of them warned this in 2016 in the run-up to the, the, uh, the, the referendum, the Brexit referendum. There's no way you can have it both ways. But Johnson is there. Uh, on record, and, and people re re uh, really enjoy retweeting and rebroadcasting, him saying, you know, if you get a load of paperwork to bring your goods across the, the border or or from between the UK and, and Northern Ireland, throw them in the bin. Phone me up and tell me what's happened. Just throw them in the bin. Fuck it. It's like, there won't be a border. Of course there has to be. You can't have it both ways. They've what got the hell was he thinking? I think it's so publicly and say that over it, and over it, again. He was lying for public consumption. And <laughs> so, okay, is, is this... I've heard many, many explanations now, but, and you've been doing the same. We've been looking at as many different takes as we can on, on it. And I've, I've sort of watched stuff from DW, which is the German state broadcaster, which does do an English-language channel, so you can see what they think has gone on. Um, representatives of uh, unions, the DUP, representatives of Sinn Féin, representatives of the SDLP, the Labour mo uh, movement, school kids, what they think's happening, a uh, uh, whole host of commentators, specialists and just general loudmouths. And there's a lot of different explanations. One of them is that there's a great deal of anger about, this, about Johnson's lawyers. And to actually hear somebody spout that out in a very loud voice on Radio 4 Today programme, which generally I would say goes very, very light on Tory politicians and, and the establishment. But they let that one through. Somebody just saying, just bon Johnson lied about it and everybody's angry. Yeah. And it's as early on it did result in sh shortages in the supermarkets, didn't it? Yeah, and I, know, I think and, and, it still might be. I mean, Brit British business is, is in like pro nearly in tatters. Yeah. So the Irish business must be even worse. Yeah, I, I mean they've took they've took a hit because of it. Yeah, definitely. Now somebody else said that it's to do with um, there was a, an IRA funeral. A, a, a prominent IRA person died. And a number of uh, Sinn Féin members of the Irish, the, the Northern Irish Assembly, the Stormont, you know, the devolved parliament in Northern Ireland, attended this funeral. And uh, the, the, the rule in Northern Ireland was that under Covid rules, only 30 people can attend a funeral and there were far more than that. And should should these should these Sinn Féin members of the, the assembly be prosecuted? And it did go to the DPP, the, the Director of Public Prosecutions in Northern Ireland, who decided not to prosecute. So 
there's a claim that the riots are due to uh, unionists being very disgruntled about this special treatment of IRA people, Irish Republican Army in other words, you know, uh, people who had belonged to the military wing of the Republican movement that, that uh, is still, in its own self-understanding, waging a liberation struggle. Obviously they've laid down the, uh, the violent means, the bullet, decommissioned their arms and all the rest of it under the Good Friday Agreement. Uh, but, you know, let's pursue the aim of a united Ireland through, through political means, under uh, as Sinn Féin, which is a party that stands both in the Republic, where it did very well in the last election, and in Northern Ireland, and has members in the, in the Stormont, you know, with a power-sharing agreement between unionists and Republicans. So some people think it's down to that. Now, it's interesting that the, the, the demographic of the, the relatively small numbers of people rioting, throwing petrol bombs at the, at the peace walls, at these kind of segregationist walls between the different communities... Uh, they, in fact, they did hijack a bus and set it on fire, and they're throwing petrol bombs at the police, armoured armored vehicles that the police had got. And they seem to be like school kids. They're, some of them are as, long as, as young as 11, I've heard, 14, 16, 18. And they're being egged on. Initially, it seemed to be mostly um, a, a, a unionist, Protestant thing, Though, um, last night or the night before, the police turned the water cannon for the first time in many years in Northern Ireland on uh, a crowd of uh, Catholic youths rioting somewhere. So, some people have got put forward the theory that this is what, what it's called, um, this is a great term, this recreational rioting. Yeah. And, if, and, and one of these school kids... Those sort of 17, 18 year old, old kids said that well, when they do go, they do have still have occasional riots in Northern Ireland. When they do have a riot, they do it for the buzz and the crack, as he called it. You know, they just do actually like going and having a bit of a pitch battle with the cops. <laughs> so that this is so. What is going on? Is it recreational rioting? Is it is it the insult to unionism that uh, Johnson's lying uh, and the the actual existence of some kind of a hard border down the, the Irish Sea. Uh, I mean, that's caused them a great deal of offence, given their world view. Um, is, it, is it unionist offence, what, what I perceive as the, the, the police and the prosecution services, services being rather soft on the, the, the uh, Republicans who attended the IRA guy's funeral? Bobby's story... I think was an IRA intelligence guy. So what is it? What's going on here? You know. I think it's just like a combination of stuff, and the it, uh, it is, yeah. And the, the protocol was just like this, is like the last straw, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, the protocol is bad for everybody, absolutely everybody, yeah. because it's very, very difficult to get goods across the border. They can't even trade with their own country anymore. Uh, you know, it's very, very difficult. The stories coming out of different businesses, uh, even just as, like supplying our essentials, 
Uh, it's. I think a lot of people are very worried, like on both sides. It's like, what the hell's going to yeah. happen? Well, there is. I think there is some serious worry, worry about this because the White House intervened, and as you know, the the Americans were a signatory to the uh, Good Friday Agreement. They brokered it. They they guarantors to it, and uh, an American sem- senator, George Mitchell, uh, chaired the. Uh, meetings in uh, 1998 and uh, President Clinton sent uh, Senator Mitchell to uh, chair the meetings. So even the White House is saying well it's basically you're getting it from all sides and everybody's got to do this even if it's only for appearances they've got to call for calm you know. Somebody like Matt Hancock though says oh this is this is a, p- a policing matter and police is a de- Policing is devolved to the Northern Ireland Assembly. It's one of the devolved powers, policing. And that this is a policing matter. So it's just like a Saturday night rook, you know. And, but there is, there is deep, deep concern, you know. And because Johnson has expressed worry and concern about it. But for fuck's sake, you know, Monday's just got a lied, 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 lied. In 2016, you know, John Major and Tony Blair saying, warning. And we said it, we spotted it straight away, didn't we? We said, God, they're going to throw Ireland under the bus here. Yeah. Because it's not good for the Republic either. No. You know, it pushes it's them in an awkward, everyone. Pos- awkward it's position. It's bad for everyone in Ireland, this is. Yeah. I mean, Brexit is bad for everyone in the whole of the UK, but <laughs> it's like it's really bad there. <laughs> That's so, where they're seeing the, the worst signs first. Yeah. Well, it's going to be, it's the fault. It is the absolute kind of fault line, isn't it? Yeah. You know, if the, the original Brexit that was promised and that was campaigned for, i.e. single market and customs union, which Nigel Farage, Boris Johnson said we've got to at least belong to the single market, would have solved all this. It's because they then went for the, uh, the hardest Brexit they could get away with, which was never, never, ever promised in the referendum. Lies again playing their part, you know. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah. there's stories every day of like more and more people uh, for, like coming out and saying we were lied to. Um, yeah. We, you know, I wouldn't vote for Brexit now if I'd have known this was going to happen. Like, for yeah. instance, fishermen all and the fishermen who are now utterly trashed, and, like the fishermen who bought a, an extra boat for two hundred grand yeah. because they believed the lies that, that it was going to be like the golden forever, and they were yeah. going to make fortunes every day. And now he's never even taken the boat out once. Yeah, and the mussel farmers, and the chocolate manufacturers, and the yeah, f- they're that, absolutely trashed. Yeah, I mean, from the point of view of, of, of basic commerce, it's like idiocy. Unless, you know, disaster capitalism can do quite nicely out of it. Yeah. You know, and as I, I say, you have to remember that the, the city of London isn't isn't a geographical location. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a set of relationships, and multi, multiple locations for doing finance capital with virtually no regulation that's what it is and you know, we're all living off the back of, of, of finance capital anyway we're all, we're all in a sense like being given a kind of a UBI by, by finance capital that, that's the basis of the UK economy but so, and the brexit doesn't jeopardize that it gives them more opportunities in in the in a sort of medium long term strange as it might seem 
given you know that sort of certain finance companies moved to Frankfurt and Amsterdam and Paris, whatever. Uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg takes his hedge fund, which is his chief activity, to Dublin. And he's the biggest, biggest Brexiteer, hard-lying Brexiteer, WTO rules, you know, free trade. Completely economically illiterate, the bloke is. Taxes, he's good at hedge funds, I dare say, you know, but it's a very narrow skill. And he takes it to, to Dublin. And mm. he don't care, he says, well, this is normal. You, 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 you take your fund where you get the best regulatory environment, you know. So this philosophical takeaway here is, is, is post-truth. The, the, the political takeaway is that, that you, you lie consistently to people. And, uh, you place that in the context of material deprivation, like trouble getting certain things in shops even, you have food shortages, that kind of stuff. You, well, you know, you, you lock them up <laughs> under, under, under uh, sort of lockdown rules for, for like a year and a half and uh, eventually they're going to go mad I mean some of these teenagers who I was, I was uh, listening to today they were saying that it's been absolutely horrible for them Irish Ten- teenagers yeah 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 well Northern Irish teenagers Belfast yeah. Teen- yeah. what's it like for you and they say, it's absolutely fucking horrible we don't know where to turn we you know and they we, and, and I mean, some of them were saying that they thought there was just an explosion of frustration, rage, anger, partly as a, as a result of, of that, you know. Okay, it might... It, COVID? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? yeah. yeah well, yeah, that's right. You, you, you know, and they, 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 they're all so kind of pissed off and distressed already, yeah, there's not going to yeah. take much to set them off. No, to get out there on the streets and, and start chucking petrol bombs but I think there was some rec- my, my own view that was that looking at the few bits of films of, of what was actually going on that there was a certain or a jouissance of destruction you know joy and destruction that there was that, that, that it was like a kind of a carnivalesque you know there was there was some sort of like joying just like smashing stuff and burning stuff and <laughs> yeah. let's go and break some shit you know yeah. that there was that and you could well it's there it's it's them taking back control that's what they that's <laughs> the, that's the feeling that they're getting when they're doing that is yeah. they're taking back control yeah. yeah you know and they're all kind of mashed up and there's you know, the police are kind of taking films you know whether they're going to be able to identify people but of course eventually somebody's going to get killed you know so, so politic, the political takeaway is is the, the multi-causal, but not surprising. And Brexit, I would I agree with you, is is sort of like the spark or the tinder, perhaps. Maybe Brexit supplied the tinder for those who with political commitments. I dare say some of them kids don't know don't know what the uh, the protocol is. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Did you know about stuff like that when you were fourteen? You know. No, I had to work quite hard to actually understand what was going yeah, on in yeah. in, in, well, uh, in uh, uh, the whole of Ireland. Really, Irish history is a nightmare. Yeah, you know. uh, to, to, to yeah to, to understand uh, uh, how you mm. know how the, the idea behind uh, so we've got this border between Northern yeah. Ireland. Well, how did they ever, how did that ever happen? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't. you know. Uh, you know, and, and how all of that was possibly going to work in the Brexit scenario, really, yeah. it's almost like they kind of have to pretend that the the border between Northern Ireland and an EU 
uh, area, it doesn't really kind of exist. We'll all sort of pretend that doesn't yeah. really exist. But it does. But it does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I say the philosophical, there's the philosophical, this deep question that I can return to again and again and again, and of which I have like thousands of pages of notes for future podcasts and series on, on, on truth, past truth. And, 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 you know, the, 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 the decay of rationality in public affairs and in public discourse. That's a philosophical point and also an historical point. Political point. Well, you know, there is a lot of deprivation in Northern Ireland. It, it is like the fringe of the United Kingdom. You know, economic um, downturns and uh, so forth. Hits Northern Ireland particularly hard. Unemployment youth is you see it's youth that are out there chucking stuff you know I think they're very much in, in in perceiving their situation as one in which there is no future mm. right there's a kind of a political point that people will will rise up sometimes in kind of like mind, mindless rage and a pure mob behaviour other times in focused um, and, and uh, directed revolutionary ways uh, the historical point about well, like the, the whole history of Ireland. If you wanted to go into that, you know, I mean, it's this is a situation is a legacy of empire and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of colonialism. These legacies roll on, and that's a point I always want to keep making. You know, they roll on; they become intergenerational. You know, if a whole community is, is is less privileged, it doesn't hand on patrimony to its to its children, it has less patrimony to hand on than richer um, factions of a community or a society. So, just in that way, inequalities and divisions roll on over the generations. So there's there's a whole lot of historical stuff we could we could go into, and and it's a it it is very 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 worth a study. It's a fucking heartbreaking story, you know, the story of the of, um, colonialism's impact on 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 Ireland. And there's also like psychological aspects to do with identity, which I've always found very interesting, you know. And uh, that, that I think plugs into identity politics because there's a lot of what happens in the, Northern Ireland is identity politics. You know, you've got these two communities, the one Protestant, ultimately of Scottish descent, taken over to man the, the, the best land in the, in the north of Ireland, in what was called the plantation. And uh, as a means of marginalising the Bolshe Irish Catholic Celts into marginal land, out in the, the kind of the hill country. Thereby producing two antagonistic communities. Antagonistic because one section of that community is more privileged than the other section. You know, and that sec- that more privileged Protestant section is, is com- given its origins, is committed to the union with the United Kingdom. The other segment, Catholic, Irish, committed to. Uh, continuing the Irish struggle for independence from 
the British Empire, the hegemon, as it was at one time, by having a completely united Ireland, you know. So in a sense, this division of Ireland into the six counties in the north, northeast, and the rest was 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 a, was a compromise. So you, so you have warring, you have actually warring identities. It's like the basis for the conflict is is who you are, <laughs> who you perceive yourself to be. And the willingness to do violence to others on the basis of that identity. To, to you know, to to identify people outside your group as other. And of course this we keep going on about this otherisation being one of the main tricks of the hegemon, the the ruling class, to, to divide any opposition that they might arose. You know, and of course in Northern Ireland you see all this planning out, planning out. and of course we've got modern identity politics which is based on this, this, the same idea that, that identity matters and of course as an item of human behaviour humans can be induced to or will behave in very destructive and violent uh, fashion to people who do not share their identity so identity is a very interesting problem and I, I think the attachment to identity is very interesting I mean, I understand it, and I kind of think it's daft all at the same time, you know. I don't think we should trample over other... You vandalise other people's cultures, you know. Which, of course, the, the English have, have done absolutely uh, with a passion for hundreds of years, you know, from, from annihilating Native Americans in Canada and the US, you know, to, to destroying the Irish language almost, dis destroying the Welsh language almost doing all kinds of nefarious uh, uh, and destructive shit in India and all the rest of it, and Africa, with, with missionaries and, you know. So it's sort of like, and yet there is something intrinsically sort of daft about identity. It's a very kind of flimsy construction. And where you're born and which community you, you sort of technically belong to is just a pure accident of birth, isn't it? Just a pure accident. So what... On that basis, why do you want to endow it with any significance or importance? That's a kind of narcissism, a kind of quite pernicious narcissism. Which, of course, but it's a tendency that gets exploited by powers to divide, to divide and rule communities. So why aren't we having a revolution in mainland Britain against the, the absolutely lying Tories that have destroyed the economy, killed uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people, through the mismanagement of the pandemic. And just carry on lying and lying and lying through the teeth as the economy fucking spirals into fucking oblivion. Why aren't we having a revolution? We should be having a revolution. Because Maybe we're we too will. busy fighting each other on the basis of identity. And it can get into a kind of... I mean, basically, I think it's identity. You have an identity. You were born somewhere. You speak a language. Get on with it. Live and let live. Let's celebrate difference. You know... I see a lot to celebrate in difference. And one had hoped that Northern Ireland had sort of gone somewhere down that, that route, you know, given that it's been relatively peaceful since the Good Friday Agreement. And you could count that as a success. And there was a whole generation growing up that didn't know the troubles. These kids that were talking on this, uh, this forum, six formers, 
uh, Belfast kids from, from different, all from different. There was even like a, 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 a Muslim young woman from from Sudan, I think, somewhere like that. And they did, they did never knew the troubles. Even though surprisingly they were still self-identifying as, as you know, as Republican or, or, or Unionist and so forth. Even though they did seem, in general, fairly alarmed by the violence or by violence, by the, the, the idea that difference should give rise to violence, which I think is something that one wants to see. So there's a whole, there's a whole issue there around the psychology of identity and the perhaps diversionary and unproductive nature of the identity politics ultimately. Yeah. So there's a whole kind of lot of questions around that. So that's where I'm taking from the Irish thing. We don't really know uh, exactly what's going on uh, in vis-a-vis uh, -vis causes. This violence seems to be multi-causal. But certainly people are unhappy. And there are lots of reasons for that. What always interests me about these situations is what philosophical problems that I throw up that we might be able to throw some, some, some sort of fairly tight, rigorous and careful anal analysis at uh, with a view to producing some clarity which will then tell us how we can act to <laughs> put our, our society and our culture and our, our economic organisation on a better footing. And one can hope just be at least a small part of that conversation. But yet there are philosophical issues around truth, psychological issues around identity, and historical issues around how did we get here, history, and political issues around lies in public life. The, yeah, the, the thing that we do definitely know is uh, Johnson lied. <laughs> he lied about what Brexit was going to be, made people vote for it, all based on lies, lied about what was going to happen to Ireland, Although anyone with half a brain knew that this was going to happen. Well, we said it. Yeah, yeah, you know, he was like well, well predicted years ago that this was going to happen. Um, so that's what we do know. And that's yeah. the thing that I'm most interested in here. Because if, if the lies aren't challenged and it's grindingly uh, difficult and boring and repetitive and it's like you don't want to waste your life having to challenge the lies all the time every day but if somebody doesn't do it and they just get away with it i mean we're all going straight to hell yeah really i can't see anything else happening well uh, peter stefanovich who's really got the, the uh, he's like a terrier with a rag has, has now had eight million views of his of his little nice neat 10 minute video of all the cases where we've got absolute equivocal proof of Johnson lying over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Eight million views. I mean, it did it like a million last week. And if he keeps circulating, if people keep helping him to circulate it, by the time of the next general election, everybody in the country will have seen it. Well, I hope so. I mean, the, the disturbing thing is that, you know, the press normally, you know, most of the press normally backs Johnson up they in do. the lies. They, they do, yeah. Although, this is why I think this one is, is 
is interesting and could be different because yeah. I just can't see how he's going to wriggle out of this one. I mean, no. they've even managed to spin it in the past. Um, Johnson lied about something and there were horrible consequences and somehow the press managed to spin it that, that Johnson was a national hero. Yeah, I know. You know? They do. <laughs> uh, but this time... I don't think they're going to be able to do it. This is this is this is a. I'm hope hopefully, this is, the moment, when Johnson is finally caught, in the sticky web of his own lies and can't get out. Well, you know, yeah, hopefully. Well, say even the BBC gave a platform to somebody who was, very vehemently asserting, that this this this, flare up of violence in Northern Ireland was pretty well down due to Johnson's lies about the, the border. And that the... Uh, yeah, well, there certainly are people in Ireland who are really angry about the fact that they were lied to. Yeah. And the consequences yeah. of those lies have uh, yeah. destroyed their lives. But the, the, the BBC generally does... Uh, certainly like the Radio 4 Today programme, really, which millions of people listen to in the morning and on the way to work and over breakfast. And it's a, it's, it's a long programme. It's, two, it's three, at least three hours or something. Every morning, Monday to Saturday, I think. Certainly Monday to Friday. So they've got a huge, huge influence, huge audience. Pretty well consistently back the Tories. I mean, they go through the motions of grilling somebody like Hancock, you know, but if you get, compared to what they do with somebody like Jeremy Corbyn, it's ridiculous. They give them a ridiculously soft uh, treatment. Remember the new chairman of the BBC, who is appointed by the government, is somebody who donated £400,000 to the Tories yeah. last year or whenever it was. It's a complete fucking... It's you very know. cheap to buy the Tories these days, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, is, it is pretty well a, a propaganda mouthpiece for the establishment. And yet, they, they allowed this, they platformed this person willing to very vehemently and very plainly state that Northern Ireland's going up in flames because of the fucking lies told by this Prime Minister and this Conservative government. That's huge. I think the papers could turn on him, and they do now. They're being a bit less forgiving. Yeah. But, of course, obviously, the, 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 uh, the alternative media, which we were always trying to promote, are all sort of taking a much more critical view. You know, and you are able to actually get quite a lot of different takes on it from different parties who are on the ground in Northern Ireland. And as I say, you know, there, is, there, isn't, there are a number of interpretations and a number of theories. And I think you have to sort of take that on board. And the, the, the reality probably, I would, you know, my intuition says the reality is that we're looking at like, uh, resentment, perhaps almost formless resentment in some instances, of, of quite high intensity, anger of quite high intensity. Uh, with, with, with multiple causalities and nobody's surprised that it happened we, we were saying in 2016 we were saying they're throwing Ireland meaning both parts of the island of Ireland under the bus yeah and it gives you no pleasure to be fair, to be right yet again <laughs> about the consequences of the, of the idiocy of these fucking post-truth hyper-capitalist, uh, monstrous psychopaths who, for some fucking unknown reason, people vote into power. 
well they're just they're just brainwashed into it and lied to you know <laughs> that's how it works you have to keep exposing the lies I suppose don't you yeah and this is always a good thing isn't it yeah but uh, it's it's kind of it doesn't feel very good for the soul to have to kind of focus on them all the time <laughs> anyway anyway we've come into the end of our walk so I hope from found that interesting bit of a ramble but uh there's a lot going on. I wouldn't be surprised if like things are really different in two weeks or a month. Yeah. And we're making a podcast about a whole new <laughs> new set of things going on in Northern Ireland. Anyway, yeah. uh, it's been nice to, to, to be here to talking to you all and we'll speak to you again soon. Mate, knowledge great again. <laughs>